This podcast is brought to you by OnTrack Studio. Welcome back to Mind Your Head. This week I'm chatting to Travis Cochran, aka The Technician. We speak about the pivotal moments in his life that have shaped the man he is today. As a technician, he mentors and holds events for men and women to help find their identity, to unlock their true masculine and feminine energy and emotional intelligence and allows them to express that in a healthy way. He's honestly changing lives and I hope you get out of this as much as I did. Travis, welcome to Mind Your Head, mate. Very, very excited to have you on the podcast um, and I'm really looking forward to where this conversation is going to take us. Likewise, bro. I'm pumped to see another one of the boys from the sunny coast yeah. going into this because it's tough bro it's a, yeah. it's a it's a tough journey to start so mm. exciting we talked about it before but you feel like you know i've got all the answers and i'm doing this and this yeah. like i said bro you, yeah. i was right where you are right now two years ago yeah so let's see where you go yeah it's good to hear and um and i, I mean this as as deep as you want to take it how are you going real deep <laughs> how are you going can i throw that back on you and how how are you going with what we just did then. For everyone listening, we just did a 777 breath work. Yeah, Toddy, Toddy Jarrett showed yeah, me that one. Yeah, Toddy Jarrett. And um, yeah, I'm feeling, I'm feeling really different to how I just walked into this, into this studio physically and emotionally after that bit of breath work we did. Yeah, I actually got a little bit emotional internally. Um, I feel a lot lighter. Mm. Um, a lot of things, a lot of emotions got brought to the surface just then. <laughs> Some things that maybe I was suppressing and um, hiding from. Yep. And I am really looking forward to how far, how deep you're going to go with me. Because <laughs> I'm always the one interviewing the guests. Yep. So it's going to be really interesting to see what things come up for me in this episode. And it's, see this is the thing too. I just felt like we needed to do that breath. It wasn't like, I'm going to turn up here and we're going to do breath work. Yeah. It just it just felt like all three of us needed to do that. And it just connects everyone and yeah. it just drops everything from the day. But also what it does is drops it out of your head. Big time. So, so many people become dissociated. We get into our heads, we overthink, you know, everyone being diagnosed with like ADHD and all these things. It's like people forgot to just be in their body and feel. Yeah. So what that breath does really quickly um, drops into your body. Yeah. So And you would have felt that. You're feeling the emotions. I felt the emotions. I was saying to you before, I felt like I was going to lift off this chair. <laughs> yeah. Sounds strange. No, no, dude. I've nothing never, strange to me. <laughs> I haven't experienced something like that before, just from breath, or well, from anything. Yeah, right. So what was the core emotion that came up for you? Um, I think... Uh, maybe resentment, lost time, wasted time. Um, A lot of the stuff that I've spoke about with my dad and a lot of the stuff that happened with me, I still hold on to it as though that I've... um, I wasted a lot of my 20s being a victim and now that I'm on a healthy path and I'm taking steps towards... Um, getting better as I keep taking those steps it's probably unhealthy unhealthy for me I keep looking back as I'm going forward I'm also keep reflecting back to how I was and then thinking fuck I should have done this like that's a thought of my head is like fuck I wasted so much time 
so many good years of my life. I know there's always good, like, good years ahead, but I just remember, like, just thinking to myself, like, I've wasted so many good years in my 20s being a victim when I wasn't a victim. We hold on to this shit for whatever purpose. And I guess it's because society, for whatever reason, has told us that we need to. Mm. We need to feel bad for the decisions we made as younger people. When it's like, we're kids, bro. Like, men are pretty much kids until 25, especially that none of us are going through rites of passage anymore. Mm. You know, we talked about this the other day with the rites of passage. Now, as you turn 18, you get fucked up. Mm. And it's good fun. Don't get me wrong, I did the same thing. Mm. But now I know what I know. When you go back to ancient cultures, most tribes and stuff and the, the really strong, young, healthy, masculine men that come through go through this transition from little boy to man. So we still, to this day, have fully grown men, even like 60-year-olds. That is probably one of the harder generations that are still little boys in men's bodies. They don't know how to respond to their misses. They get reactive. They get reactive to their children. They get, you know, the sons call them on their shit and they just get reactive and go, oh, you know, what do you fucking know? You know, things like that. And it's still that little boy that never healed. Yeah. The in the moment stuff and what gets brought up with that breath at the beginning, I knew that during this, you were probably going to need some stuff. And what better platform to bring this out for, especially your listeners to be like, holy shit, it's that easy. Mm. Sorry. It's simple. It's not easy. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it, it's tough, bro. This, like this stuff isn't easy, but I think the steps taking it is, is simple. Yeah. And if you have the right support around you, like, yeah. would you ever do that stuff around like your mates you grew up with? No. <laughs> Neither, bro. Like they're footy players. Right. Yeah. And there's no disrespect to them. Yeah. Like, I love all of them, yeah. but they just, they're just not ready for that stuff yet. Yeah. And I, I couldn't agree with you more with the, with the inner child stuff. It's, you know, you're, you, you could be 30 year old and still be a boy. And I, I truly felt like that. I don't think, I think I got to 30 and my eyes just fully opened and look back and go, fuck, I was such a little kid. Emotionally, like had no emotional intelligence at all, all through my 20s. I was a little boy. Mm-hmm. And it's only recently that I've become aware of this. And, and sometimes I think, oh man, I think I'm, I think I'm good. I think I'm, I'm thinking good. And then we do what we just did then and it unlocks another bit of me. <laughs> and, I, and I go, fuck, I've got, still got so much more work to do. <laughs> but I, I love the fact that I've still got work to do. I love the process of going, getting better every day, but I'm also chasing something every day. It makes me get up in the morning and... I, I didn't, I didn't expect that I was gonna, that was gonna happen to me today. And honestly, I do a gratitude journal. Yeah, sick. And that's made my day. Just that. Epic. Day's not over, but up until now, that that made my day. It's cool, bro. And it's what you just said is so true. And I'll say, as much work as I've done, I've still, I've always got stuff coming through. Mm. I'll never sit here and say, I'm done. I'm healed. I'm, I'm yeah. this. He listen to me. And I think that's what makes, which we'll obviously talk about at some point with our heart led warrior stuff is we're not men that say we're better than any other men. We're not saying come listen to us like some prophets or something. It's like we're one of the brothers that just want other people to feel what we felt. We're standing next to you, not above you. We're standing next to you. We're riding next to you. We can't ride it for you, but we'll ride next to you. Something Dane uses all the time. I love it. Mm-hmm. 
you know, so we'll support you. Um, we'll back you, but we'll never be like, Hey, you got to do what we do like this, this, and this, we want you to do what we do, Mm. but we'll never force anyone. Mm. So I think that's what makes us different is that we don't judge anyone. We don't want anyone that doesn't want to do this shit, do it, but just know that this is what happens when you do it. You feel good. Feel amazing. (laughs) Yeah. And it's amazing for, for me is, is I've changed how I view things. So I used to chase, say, have a high focus on getting an outcome or going to that destination and I lose track of the journey. And now I'm more in love with the process. I'm more in love with the journey and not so much the outcome. I'm still focused on the outcome, but I'm not blinded by how much work there's got to be done in the journey. And I love, I love the grind now. Mm. I love going through the journey. And I embrace it. And I think this is just another step towards that. 100%. Mm. One of my favorite sayings, I don't know if Kobe said it, but he did say it. I don't know if he made it up, but it was on an interview he did. One of his last interviews, I believe, too. Yeah. Where he's like, everyone's so focused at looking at the top of the mountain rather than looking at the first step. Mm. So So, true. So it's like, yeah, you can see that mountain you need to climb, but stop fucking looking up there. Put your head down, look at the first step and just go. Yeah. Start. And it's... Something I came up with recently, which was crazy. I thought someone had brought it up, but I coined this term of, I love failing, yeah. but I don't see it as failing. And what I call it is, so fail, F-A-I-L, fast action ignites learning. So the more you fail, the more you learn. So the more you're doing things like this, bro, and like just having a crack, maybe you'll fail as they'll term it in society, but it's like, no, nah, you're just learning what not to do. That's that's funny you mentioned that because in the uh, episode I did with my dad, one of the big things for me is I was so afraid to fail as a kid. Yeah. I never wanted to fail. So if I never wanted to fail, I would never try something new because if you try something new, nine times out of ten, you're going to be shit at it. <laughs> so for me, I just stuck with what I was good at. So I never, I never learned how to fail. And in life, you fail. And that's what got me unstuck was when failing happened. How did I, I couldn't process it. I couldn't handle it. And it just set me down a, a downward spiral. And I, I, um, I think about it now and it's so true you say that, that fail often. Fail as much as you can because you you'll learn from it. And 100%. Yeah. And I think I, I speak about this with a good mate of mine. He's one of the most successful dudes I know. He's incredible. And we're talking about men and the issues that we've got with younger men coming up. There's no resilience anymore. Mm. Anything hard happens in their life, they just give up. And I think that comes from a lot of what we just, even what you were just saying then is now in schools and stuff, it's like you get a participation award. Every, oh, it's okay. He came 10th. Here we go. Mm. You did so well. Mm. Like, yeah, celebrate yourself, but you can do better. Because mm. I'm all about celebrating. I'm not going to be that guy that's like, I'll do something cool and be like, ah, I can do so much better. Yeah, I can do better, but I'm still going to celebrate myself. Yeah, yeah. And though, you can't just sit there and just be like, hey, it's gonna, everything's going to be okay. Everyone, Everyone's a winner. Yeah. In life, it's not like that. Not at and all, you man. should use your failing as motivation to get better. Yep. And I think if you're a winner and you see someone else get the same medal as you just for, just for participation, you go, well, why am I trying hard? Why am I trying to be the best I can be? If at the end of the day, we both get the same reward, <laughs> What's the it point? diminishes the first, you know, the, the person who came first. hundred percent. Yeah. And it's, I think the hardest thing is that because that's being instilled in kids from say zero to eight now, which is when the subconscious is built, those programs are then for life. Yeah. So then those things we're, we're, we're taught that 
oh, it's okay to do this because of this, this, and this. Mm. So then from, say, 9 to 15, which is like that teenage is coming into that years where schooling, bullying and stuff happens, our beliefs that were instilled from 0 to 7 or zero to, oh, yeah, 0 to 7 are now playing out at school, which are causing us issues. Mm. And, you know, you can say all these things too, bro, but everyone's doing the best they can. Yeah, 100%. Like we're never going to get 100% right. Mm. And I... When I first started this journey, I had a lot of animosity towards my parents because of the beliefs that I had to struggle with, with the anxiety and things like that. But I go back and I'm like, man, it's not their fault. (laughs) You know, and I also have a responsibility to change it. So I have. I'm not going to sit there and blame everyone else. It's more of a, and this is one thing I say to a lot of people is like, why not be at cause for everything? Because then you have control over those things. Yeah. So So if you're at cause for everything, even if someone fucks you over and it is their fault, what if you just say, oh, that was my bad? Mm. So then you have the ability to control that moment and move through it. 100%. Because if it's outside of you, you can't control it. You can't change it. And if and if you let them control your emotions, they control you. Yeah. So you're letting that person control you, which they should have any no control over you. 100%. Yeah. I think a lot of people will know this, this talk and this chat from you being the technician. <laughs> <laughs> but I think what maybe some people overlook and maybe some people not realize is the journey it took you to get to the technician and it wasn't an easy journey this is like many other people it wasn't an easy journey um and i think that would be a great place for us to start today is is your childhood your upbringing some pivotal moments that have shaped you the man you are today definitely bro thank you for the question because i've told this story a few times but something tells me it's going to go differently today just because of what we've just spoken about and i'm such a different man after the last six months. Because I, I go like grew up in a small country town called Woodford. I'm sure plenty of people have heard of the Woodford Folk Festival. It's not too far away. But I guess the blessing and the curse I was given was that I was an absolute giant as soon as I was born. <laughs> was like, one just, of my questions is, have you always been six foot five? <laughs> from like three years old, bro. Like literally, <laughs> they put me straight into footy from like five years old. So I was yeah. playing up in under sixes and then I played under sixes again the next year. Mm. And straight away, obviously had natural talent. You don't need much talent when you're bigger than everyone, but mm. I started to be seen. And that's when my issues started. Mm. From what I, age? from I reckon if I think back right now Jesus crazy that things have it's almost like my memories have been unlocked by the more shit I've unlocked yeah yeah and I think back now and it's like I was in the spotlight from a very young age and if we talk about years when things are instilled and programmed I couldn't hide because I was so fucking big <laughs> wherever I went it'd be like oh there's that there's, there's that guy yeah. oh, I don't want to play Stanley Rivers because they got that freak you know like things like that and as a kid, like I can laugh about it now, but as a kid, that hurt me to be different, yeah. to say and, you know, to hurt kids because I didn't know how to control my anger on the football field because mm. I was the nice giant off the field. When I was on the field, I was an absolute psycho. So I would just destroy everyone that ran at me. If I ran, I'd just be trying to hurt people because when we think about it, if you're not taught how to express your emotions off the field, where are you going to express them? Where it's okay, you know, where you're allowed to. And I remember one time, I've told this story a few times, but it is pretty pivotal. I think, I think the age changes every time, but I believe I was like eight or nine years old and we were playing a team when, back when we didn't have to wear boots, 
Yeah, all barefoot. So was, yeah, yeah, right, barefoot was yeah, gun. Yeah. I was so Early good. morning barefoot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the Jews the there. The Jews, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, basically, this kid, I think, it was, I think it was BYU Bulldogs, actually. And this kid ran at me, and I just destroyed him, like threw him on the ground. His teeth fell out. Like, it was crazy. And all the parents started going off at me. They were like, get this fucking kid off. He's too big. He shouldn't be playing with our kids. Were your parents there? Yeah. Yeah, yeah bro. My dad, he's been epic. Mm. He's always been at every game, supported me. Yeah everything so he, yeah. he he had my back right yeah. but it's a bit hard when there's like 30 people yelling at your kid saying he's too fucking big he's a freak you know he's hurting people he's hurting yeah, people yeah. he shouldn't be allowed to play yeah. that i believe i look back and i only realized i think it was like last year i realized that moment really fucked me up because yeah, from that point i tried to play small because i realized if i used my full strength i hurt people that's what my belief was created then so Coming through school, man, I I was the quiet kid. I didn't want to speak up because I got brought from Woodford. I got poached by Rob Bruff up here at Mountain Creek to come up and play at School of Excellence there because yeah. I was getting bigger and bigger real quick. And I was a good player. Um, so grateful for Rob and everyone that, you know, supported me. Shout out Billy Bannister and Turi because I used to live with them. Yeah. They put me up. I lived with uh, Tyce Andrews and his family. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would live with them to go to school up here. Would you live with them during the week and then go back to Woodford on the weekend? Yeah, bro. So yeah. dad would drop me off on a Sunday See you later. and then pick me up Friday. How hard was that? Tough, man. Because yeah. I was so awkward. So yeah. I was lucky to have good mates like Tice yeah. and Marley and Turi. And um, they were incredible families and I'll never forget what they did for me. Yeah. But for an awkward little, big little um, country boy, yeah. I struggled. Yeah. I was so awkward, man. Like... I just could barely look at people. I used to get really shy and awkward and just do weird shit. Timid. Yeah. yeah and I was yeah. like the art, I was in the art class and stuff and I wasn't a footy boy at all. Yeah. You know, we talk about football, football boy culture. Yeah. As much as I love those boys I grew up with, yeah. it's different. It's, yeah. It's so different. It you know, they're like the bullies of school and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I was never that guy. Yeah. And, but I get, I got caught up in it because I felt like I needed to fit in. Yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't like confident enough to have my own mask. Mm. I put on other people's masks of who I sh- was supposed to be. It's a different image, yeah. And because I'm the eldest in my family, where I got two little um, brothers and a little sister, I didn't have anyone to look up to. I didn't have, like I had dad, but he wasn't around. Mm. I had my mates, but they were my age. Mm. You know, Rob was an incredible mentor. Rob taught us so much. Shout out Rob Ruff. Um, he's such an amazing dude as much, you know, as I didn't really get to see him often, but the yeah. training was enough. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going through school, man. And I'm just thinking, fuck, this is a lot. For a big, so I was like a big fish in a little pond coming to a big pond and I was still a big fish, right? So I was still being seen mm. and I had to deal with that. I was like, man, I don't want to be this guy that's seen all the time. And I had these, another pivotal moment was the fact I realized that I was good at everything. Yeah. Everything I did, if I picked sport up- Sport wise, a, yeah. Sport, sport, pens. Oh, really? Like drawing, yeah, yeah. Um, games, yeah, yeah. everything. I was naturally talented at everything and people hated me for that. Yeah. I realized that I realized that a lot of my mates would get jealous just because I was already like, you're already tall and this stuff like old cop shit for it. So you got bull- bullied for it. Yeah, pretty yeah, much. Yeah. Yeah, and they might not, they might not see it that way, yeah. but that's how I felt. Yeah. That's, I felt that if I acted and showed my full talent, yeah. I got shit for it. Yeah. So again, I went into my shell. So you think about that, bro. Cause I, the next part of the story of getting picked up by the Broncos when I was in school, yeah, at like 15, barely even trying because I didn't like football really. 
Well, that was one of my questions was, did you even like rugby? I thought I did. I enjoyed it. I did enjoy it. I loved being around like the boys. and That's the one thing that I loved because I've thought about my own journey. Yeah. And if I loved rugby, and I don't think I loved rugby as much as I thought I did, I think I loved it for what it gave me. It gave me a distraction from my own emotions. Yep. It gave me a connection with my friends. Mates, yeah. Mates. I loved the training, joking around after the game. But I look back on it now and I go, did I actually love the sport? Yeah. No. It gave me something to do. And it also made me not think about the stuff that was going on in my head. And it was your identity, right? Yeah. Everyone was like, oh, Elliot, the football player. Elliot, the football player. And I'm like, oh, fuck. I must be the football player. I better keep playing footy because then what, what else am I? What are they going to call me if I'm not Elliot, the football player? Yeah, yeah. And males especially, we need purpose. Mm. Everything is purpose. Yeah. So if, it gets, if your purpose gets questioned or you're like, who the fuck am I? Yeah. That's when our mental health issues really start. Yeah. And I noticed that it, once I started having to go to Broncos trainings and stuff, like drive down to Brizzy, dad would drive me down. Um, some years I was playing like 70 games of football because of rep and school and club and all that sort of stuff, which was crazy. Mm. Most kids are paying, playing like 20-something. Mm. So the pressure of the, the injuries that kept coming up, me not wanting to train because I was lazy training. I remember <laughs> coming forward a little bit. One of my mates, Tyce Musket, shout out Tyce, um, when I was playing up in Mackay, he used to call me Tarzan because um, I pl- uh, train like Jane, play like Tarzan. <laughs> and At least you play like Tarzan. Yeah, I, know, well, I know the other people around. around. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I was, I was lazy, bro, because my mindset was horrible. Mm. And I'll admit that wholeheartedly because I didn't love the game. Mm. If you love something, you're going to turn up. Absolutely. So it's still, to me, this day blows my mind that I still made it and still got offered a contract, right, Yeah. to the top team yeah. and not loving the game. Yeah. Not training. Yeah, and it makes me wonder, like, how far you could have got. If I've thought about it in the past. Oh, you have? For sure. Like, yeah. I used to have a lot of regret, and that's yeah. something I had to clear. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I still have times where we're yeah. talking about it, because my yeah. teammates, bro, are yeah. still playing. Yeah. You know, like Ben Hunt, yeah. Josh McGuire, like, yeah, yeah. Andrew McCulloch. All yeah. those boys were the ones I would have been at 20s with. Yeah, yeah. So... It's crazy. I even had Alex Glenn on my potty not yeah, long ago. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he would have been one of my teammates, too. Yeah. So it's like, you think back and you think, damn, like yeah. this could have been it, yeah. but it just wasn't meant to be. Exactly. Yeah. You know, which is fine. So um, fast forwarding to finishing school, doing the things, you get, dad gets the mail, the letter in the mail, Brisbane Broncos, we want to offer you a contract to come down and, you know, be part of the train on squad, be in the twenties, all that stuff. Best news. You'd think so. You'd think so. You'd you? think so. Yeah, yeah. And I remember just bawling my eyes out and just saying, I don't want to do it. Really? Yep. Yeah, that's the night I quit. As soon as that letter came in the mail, I just said to dad, and I've been thinking about it for months. And I was like, how am I going to do this? How am I going to say, he's been working with this, with me for 12, 15 years. No, sorry, 13 years. You know, like. Did you, when you told him. It wasn't a great reaction. Such a shock, because he would have thinking. Bro, he was filthy. And I get why. Yeah. Because he did the same thing. Did he? He was a very, very good football player and he gave up the opportunity because yeah. of the comfort zone. Yeah. Small yeah. country town mindset. Mm. We can't leave here. It's too yeah. scary, you yeah, know, yeah, like yeah. that. And again, like I get it. Yeah. I get why people get caught up in their comfort zone and they don't travel or move. It's because we get programmed to say this is safe. Mm-hmm. 
it's safer in this bubble than going and moving somewhere to try something new. Taking a risk, yeah. You know, so I was very lucky that I was basically forced at 14 to move to another school because then I saw a bit more of the world. I started to take in different perspectives, different mindsets, yeah. especially my mate Tice and especially um, Turi's dad, Bill, Bill Bannister. Fuck, man, like he used to make us get up at six in the morning and run along Oceanic because he yeah. lived on Oceanic. yeah. We'd be doing like three or four K runs every morning. Yeah. He'd drop us off and like, all right, boys, I'll see you at home. <laughs> you know, like that built us, that built yeah. mindset. Yeah. And I became the fittest I ever did. Yeah. And I don't think without Billy and Rob and Tice, you know, Turi, all those boys, like just that mindset, the men around me at the time helped me so much and dad. Mm. But I still couldn't get through it. My mindset just wasn't, I just wasn't there. It wasn't there, yeah. Just wasn't there, bro. I used to be such, as I said, I really, really struggled with being around people, mm. especially in big groups. I didn't want to be seen. I didn't want. I didn't want to say speak up because I thought I'd say something stupid. Yeah, right. You know all those things. Yeah. So it played out to the point where I honestly think back then is that I didn't want to go down to the Broncos because again I didn't want to have to meet new people. Yeah, I didn't want to have to have the pressure of training because I knew I was weaker than most guys in the yeah, gym. Yeah. But I knew I was a freak on the field. And I'd flog you at training too. 100%. Yeah, yeah. You know, so yeah. the weak mindset, the yeah. resilience wasn't yeah, there. It wasn't there, yeah. So that was a spiral, bro. It goes from like, you're going to be a football superstar mm. to jokes, bro. You're working at your local IGA. So what did you do after you said- IGA, literally IGA. straight to IGA at Woodford yeah. or yeah. Kilcoy, I think. Moved back home. Was living at home. Yeah. Super depressed. Yeah. Just thinking, holy shit, I've just thrown my life away. Were you angry at yourself- very for feeling the way you did about rugby and going why why don't i love this why didn't i say yes to this 100 percent. yeah yeah it's a great question and i've thought about it a lot and it brings even just right now the memory of just not understanding it was so frustrating Mm. i I didn't have any advice around that this is what 16 years ago or whatever Mm. we didn't have podcasts and youtube to talk about mental health yeah if i had known what it was yeah I probably would have played NRL. It's putting it into words, isn't it? How you're feeling and yep. making sense of it. 100%. And yeah. that's why I love what I do so much now yeah. is I'm able to do that for other people. Yeah, yeah. And that identity crisis is what really set me down a path because, as I said, it was like, oh, you're... And because I didn't do well at school because I didn't need to, everyone was like, no, nah, don't worry about it. Just, just pass. You're going to be a football superstar. It's sweet. Yeah, right. And I would have still been putting blame on other people, right? Yeah. It should have been my responsibility not to listen to that and just do well anyway. Yeah. So you go down, you know, you fast forward a little bit and I was lucky enough to have a partner come into my life at 19 and she basically um, convinced me to move up to Mackay. And I went out there with my best mate, Tice. He was playing for the Cutters up there. He was pretty much... To go up there and play rugby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was back into footy, right? Back into footy, yeah. I kept coming back to it. Yeah, yeah. It kept calling me back. Went up there for a... They offered a job, like sick job. Go up, you get paid for the games. Mm. Playing good footy again, right? And then I get my worst injuries I've ever had. I dislocated my scaphoid, tore every single ligament in my wrist. um, Fractured my skull. Had a concussion that lasted like three weeks. Cause I had like three guys coming with like the elbows and knees and split my skull open. Not in one, not in one tackle. No. So the scaphoid was, uh, I think like two months before and then this happened. Yeah. So it was just in, in what I know now, Mm. it was essentially something saying, bro, this isn't, you're you're not supposed to be playing this. Crazy. You said that (laughs) crazy. Same thing. Cause my body has been telling 
was telling me for years to stop playing rugby. The universe, whatever you want to call it, was keep telling me to stop, just give it up. Just, it's time, just give it up. And I kept going back to it and I kept going back to it. And it's the universe is like, oh, I'm going to fucking tell you. <laughs> if you're not going to listen, I'll tell you. And I played a sevens tournament where I wasn't meant to play and they called me at last minute going, do you want to just fill in for the, for the weekend? Yeah, sure, why not? Broke my ankle, broke my leg, syndesmosis, tore all the ligaments, three months in a moon boot, 12 months rehab, put me on the sideline, changed, couldn't, couldn't, I was a winger, fullback, couldn't run quick, changed everything. Um, it was the universe saying, you, you didn't listen? Here's a, here's a broken, here's a broken <laughs> ankle, broken leg. Literally. And it's mental now that I think about it because I used to get really down about that because it cut short my rugby. But because that injury happened, I got the surgery. I moved back to the Sunshine Coast and was doing all my rehab there. I met my now girlfriend because of that injury. Gotcha. And now I think about it and I go, fuck, I don't think if that injury didn't happen, I would have gone back down to Sydney. I would have gone, stayed in Brisbane. Who knows? But I definitely know for sure that I wouldn't have moved back to Sunshine Coast. And now I look at it and go, fuck, I wouldn't have changed this. How good's my life? Like, I've got a house with her. I've got, we've got a little dog. We're going to Europe in a couple of months. Um, hey. <laughs> um, you know, and I love my life. And now I think about it and go, you know what? That was meant to happen. I, I don't hold any grudge or resentment or I'm not angry that that's happened to me now, mm. even though it hurts in the morning in winter and I can feel the screws. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah. yeah, it's funny how that all works out. So you're in Mackay, you got a bad injury. And what you've just said then, I'll I'll bring a future message to there to that timeline is that you're exactly right. The body has a very good way and the universe mm. is saying, Stop going this way, yeah. bro, turn yeah. around. Yeah. I just didn't want to listen. Yeah. There's I, signs there. We just gotta to listen to them. Yeah. Anyone listening, check out a book called You Can Heal Your Life by Louise Hay. Basically, this, and this is my belief because I've seen it, she has in there like what each, like if there's an issue with your throat, it means this, this, and this. If there's an issue with your knee, your right knee, it's like the masculine moving forward, like you're struggling to take on new things. Like there's an aspect of everything within our body, it sends us signals and signs to say something. So yes, sometimes injuries are just injuries, but maybe there's something behind it. You know, so have a look at that. Yeah, that's amazing. So, yeah, in Mackay, bro, it was a sick time, made some really good people, started to develop, got a little bit stronger, getting out of my comfort zone. And then we, I believe we moved back to the coast or Sydney. Yes, went to Sydney because there was an opportunity down there. And I started working at uh, Rebel Sport and there was something about it. There was something about helping people, just being in customer service that I was really good at. Mm. I didn't know what it was leading to, obviously, at the Mm. time, but everything was just really good. So we were in Sydney, moved back to... Woodford again because it was just all over the shop. I always wanted to be doing new things. Yeah. My partner at the time was obviously getting pretty sick of it. So you love change. Love change, yeah. bro. I yeah. couldn't stick to one thing. Yeah. I needed to be, to feel like I was moving forward in life, yeah. it had to be something new. Yeah. Getting refreshed. Couldn't be yeah. in things for too long. And that's when things really started to go sour though because I was like, why can't I figure out what it is I'm meant to be doing? Mm. What's my purpose? Yeah, such a common struggle. Yeah, man. Yeah. And I was working at a certain job up here. I was facing, I actually faced a fair bit of bullying in the workplace. 
which you think, bro, you're 6'5 and 120 kilos. What do you mean? <laughs> that's what I was thinking. Who bullies someone that size? Stupid people, that's yeah, who. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And were they bullying you because of your size? Oh, or- look, the same thing I've dealt with my whole life where it's yeah. that jealousy factor. Oh, yeah. It might just be because this dude's taller than me. I hate him. Mm. There's always people, you know, when you go out and you might be a bit taller, they want to try to take down the biggest guy. To prove like, themselves. Luckily for me, it's <laughs> never been an issue. I mean, you're pretty big though. <laughs> but I, I've got a couple of big friends and I, I can see them. They always get tested. I'm like, thank God I'm not big. Every time, they man. They get tested. Always. Yeah. It's like an alpha male thing. I don't know what it is. Yeah. It's an insecurity thing. Yeah. It's an insecurity. They've got to try to prove themselves. And yeah. at work, man, it was always there was always one guy. But this happens for everyone. There's always that one person at work that's just an absolute dick for some reason. Yeah. And I didn't deal with that very well at the time. I didn't know how to handle it. And then I would snap. So I did snap a couple of times. And once you snap, then they're like, oh, my, oh sorry, bro. Like, I really like you. Let's yeah. be friends. Yeah, yeah, oh, of course, yeah. now it's changed, right? But, and I'm not that type of person. I'm not the guy that fights people or is aggressive. But because I didn't know how to control that stuff, yeah. it would come out as uncontrolled aggression. Yeah. Just snapping. Yeah. Same as I did on the football field. Yeah. So in this certain job... I was in a job that I was super stressful for me because it was things that I didn't know how to do properly. I'm, I'm being very like off about it because I don't want to say their name or what it is because I don't want people to think that that's their fault. But essentially... <laughs> yeah, I've been a bit cagey. Yeah, though. yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I, like, I got to respect people's... Like it, it was on me. Yeah. I like to put everything on me, yeah. as I said before. And just one day, bro, like I couldn't figure the job out I couldn't get it right I was like I'm fucking useless I'm so stupid why am I I'm just and that thought was just going over and over and over again and then one day I was driving home and at that clounder roundabout I just thought fuck it I'm gonna drive my car into a tree and I literally pulled it off the road and I was it was like the last second something just flashed in front of my eyes I don't know if it was my looking back at my life or it was like a guardian angel or something Mm. But something just made me just pull my right hand down and pull it back. Did like a little bit of a fishy, came back on the road and I just started bawling my eyes out. I hadn't cried for a couple of years properly like that. And clearly that scared the shit out of me and realized, holy fuck, I need to change something. That was your breaking point. hundred percent. Yeah. And How it old was were you? 23, I believe. 23, yeah. Yeah. So I was still pretty young, mm. still trying to figure life out. Got home and told my missus and... She was so supportive and loving. She was like, okay, we, you need to quit. Mm. You need to get out. We need to change. So we went, went back to Sydney again, back to Rebel Sport, something that I felt comfortable in, something that was really good. But for me, bro, I was judging myself even for working there because I thought, oh, what am I doing working in retail? I'm a loser. What am I doing? Do you think you, you deserve better than working in retail? I just was comparing myself because that's what I was told. Mm. I was told if you're doing this, this, and this, mm. you're a loser. Mm. It's not the case at all, bro. No, I would, not at all. If I, if I, what I know now, if I really enjoyed a job and I did it for the rest of my life, I would. And that's for anyone listening. If you have a job where you just love it, mm. doesn't matter what it is. If you're packing shelves at Coles, mm. if you love it, do it. Yeah. If you're buzzing, if it gets you out of bed, <laughs> who cares? You don't need some yeah. like higher calling, higher purpose, yeah. hectic, like financial gain job or anything yeah. like that. Yeah. If you love, if you wake up in the morning and you're smiling, mm. cool. Mm. judge your success based off that that's what I believe anyway yeah, 100% I'll never force anything on to anyone but yeah. yeah bro at the time I just thought 
this is what I'm supposed to be doing. I was meant to be a football star. I'm such a loser, blah, blah, blah. I felt that too, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and not realising I was very good at what I did, mm. which was just help people. I can imagine you would have sold a lot of stuff at Rebel. <laughs> it was funny. I used to cop shit because um, people would walk past and they'd be like, Trav, why were you talking to them about their dead fa- parents? Like, I don't know. <laughs> I just started talking to them and yeah. people would just open up to me like yeah. crazy. Yeah. Like just, yeah. they'd be telling me their life story within... 30 seconds because mm. I had that trust there was something about me that yeah. people opened up to it's the energy I think yeah I think, yeah. It's, I think it's when I first like we've reconnected a couple of weeks ago it's that energy you feel safe yeah. even though people might get intimidated at f- seeing seeing, <laughs> seeing you coming down it's, it's the energy you bring you feel really safe for some reason and I, and I you feel like you can just tell them you can tell you whatever is on your mind and you know you're going to receive it and hold space. Yep. And I don't know if it's a gift or if it's a skill that you've trained, but that's, that's what I get from you. I'd say it's a combination of the two. Yeah. Because that Rebel, I really got a chance to own that. It was, it's definitely something I've always had. I've always cared like crazy for everyone. I've always cared for everyone else. And I think something I took on from my dad was that in that process, I forgot about me. He would, he would do everything for everyone else, but he didn't give a fuck about himself. He still has that to this day because we get told to do everything for everyone else. That's how you get liked, right? By being a people pleaser. You don't want to be selfish. Yeah. Oh, don't, don't, be don't be selfish. That's selfish. horrible. Yeah. yeah. Do everything for everyone else. Yeah. yeah. How, how awful would it be if you did something for yourself for once? Mm. You piece of shit, mm. <laughs> you know? Mm. Like, and it just makes no sense to me. Yeah, because you can help people more when you first you've helped yourself 100% if you give everything to yourself first you're more of a help to other people in the the cliche saying that I'm sure everyone's heard is like fill your cup first and you can fill others then yeah you know coming back to the the timeline of the fact that I started to accept that okay I'm good with people yeah something about this feels right yeah I'm going to continue doing it and this is what I teach a lot of people is that I've only learned this recently but this is what I've been doing without knowing it to get to your core purpose you have to peel back the layers so by peeling the layers back, you start to figure out how to get to the core. And by doing this, we try things like we said at the start. Go try something, fail at it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I don't want to do that anymore. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Go try something else. Yeah. You know, just yeah. try a few things. Actually give it a go. Don't just be half-assed about it. Mm. Eventually, by peeling back the layers, mm. meeting new people, figuring things out, at the core of it, you get to that, oh, shit, mm. this is it. Mm. You know, that moment. And I'm sure you're going through that right now. Right now. <laughs> it's, I sent Sophie a, a, a text message after my first episode. And I said, uh, I can't remember exact words, but I said, fuck, how good was that? I just had so much fun. Honestly, I don't think I've had this much fun. Even though we're talking about some pretty traumatic stories and experiences and, and a lot of emotion is coming up, I'm enjoying it so much. And I've never, even when I was playing rugby, I never felt purposeful. I never felt like I was really heading towards where I wanted to go or where I needed to go. And as soon as I started doing this, yeah, it's like that moment where you, I remember, I remember driving, driving to, to my home and I, and I go, I, I, could, I could do that every day yeah. for the rest of my life. Straight up. You, but- you could not pay me to do it and I'd happily do it for the rest of my life. And it's not for me. It's not about the money at all. I I truly like get up when I've got episodes booked. I truly get up and go, oh how 
how good is this? I can't wait. <laughs> the teeth are grit. I'm, I'm yeah, nervous. I'm like, what's going to happen? And it's the best feeling. I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm driving towards something. That's more than, that means more than just myself. That's big, bro. Mm. That's, and that, the key there is that you said, as soon as you know you do this without pay, mm. same thing for us, what we do with Heartland and yeah. what I do with coaching, 100% I do it for free. Yeah. You know, and then when I get these comments, we uh, showing before that TikTok that blew up, mm. you get comments like, oh, how could you do this showing men in their pain? You're just doing this for fucking profit. Yeah. yeah. I think, mate, this is a business. Yeah. If we don't have the business, we can't help these men. Yeah. Obviously, we do it for free. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. But we need to make money to even pay the videographer to make that video. Yeah. That <laughs> went viral. That, exactly. <laughs> yeah. That is now helped yeah. Yeah. hundreds of yeah. men. Yeah. We've had hundreds of men reach yeah. out. Yeah. And, and for me, it was, it was finding a passion and peeling back the layers and trying things. Finding the passion. And for me, my purpose is, is with that passion how do you serve others? So this has landed perfectly because I absolutely love chatting to people, learning from people and letting those people tell their stories. And I feel like I've got my passion aligned with my purpose. And I've never felt like... I'm 32 and I think I've found what I need to be doing at 32 and I wish I could go back to my 17, 18 year old self and go when he was so worried, like, oh, what happens if you're not going to play footy? Like, what's, what are you going to do? What are you going to do for the rest of your life? You know, you got other people. I used to be so jealous, so jealous when I talk to my mates at 18 and 19 years old and they go, oh, I love my job. I love it. And I used to go, fuck, I'm so jealous of that because I haven't found anything like that. And I honestly thought I was going to go through life and not find a true passion. And I was like, maybe it's rugby. I'll just cling to it because that's the closest thing that feels like a passion. So I'll just cling to that. But really, it wasn't. And I was like thinking, oh, I'm just going to float through life and just do a job and not really have much passion or much go about me. And then I found this and I go, oh, fuck. Like, it's honestly changed me as a person. Yep. And I just, yeah, I think about my younger self and go, I, should, I just felt like saying to him, it's all good. Yeah. It's all good, man. It'll be fine. It'll be okay. And uh, I guess, you know, for me, going through that phase of trying different things, finding Rebel, going through that, going through another black hole where my partner and I have been together for six years, we separated. And then I think that same, I always get this wrong. I don't know if it was that same week or like the next day I destroyed my knee playing basketball down in Sydney. We're living on the beach, six spot, Collaroy, Northern Beaches. Just mm. incredible. I love my job Dream. finally. Yeah, yeah. I'm doing like entrepreneurial shit with another guy that I just met. I was learning about marketing and selling and everything was sweet. It all changed in an instant. And I go from finally having this like life that I've been looking for for so long. It just got torn away. And I created that. I had issues. I was doing things. I was projecting onto my partner. I was insecure. I was reactive because I still didn't know anything about myself. I was still trying to find purpose, mm. but I didn't know how to be a man. Yeah. So, destroyed my knee, bro. Tore my ACL, meniscus, fractured my patella, everything in one go. Another universal sign, right? In that moment, I think, oh shit, what's going to happen here? I found out what had happened within two days. My best mate's brother, Jolie Andrews, was in the army. And he goes, hey, Trav, I'm heading back home. Do you need a lift? 
So he just came in, picked up my whole life and drove me back up to Woodford. At 26 years old, I'm back at home again. Yeah. I'm in bed. I've just had surgery. Restarting. Restarting. Yeah. I'm in a black hole again. Mm. And I'm in bed. And it was super depressing because at some point I was in so much pain and I couldn't move. Mum was having to empty my piss bottle. You know, I was literally peeing into a milk bottle that she'd cut in half because I couldn't move. Mm. So that was the low point of my life again. I'm back in. I thought, fuck, I thought I was out of this. So I thought, okay, I need to make a decision here. Do I continue down this path, allow it to get me, or go the complete opposite way? I discovered uh, Tom Bilyeu yeah. on YouTube. Yeah. And he's got an incredible podcast and started listening to like Gary V, Ed Milet, Andy oh, Frazella, yeah, yeah. these incredible guys. And I thought, where have they been this whole my life? Yeah. And then I get another job at the new Rebel at North Lakes. So everything starts lining back up. I've got a clothing brand, Colorblind. Yeah. Had that with my best mate, Neilsy back in the day. Yeah. And I start shifting. I'm like, okay, let's go. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. So every trip to work and back, I'm listening to podcasts. I'm listening to YouTube. I'm getting better. And I start learning about, oh, okay, personal development. I like this stuff. And then I meet my new mate as I transfer from North Lakes to Kwana, Jakey. Jakey Habich, I, um, he becomes my trainer and I start losing weight. I get stronger. And it all just starts lining up, bro, everything. I start just getting better and better and better, learning more about myself, clearing stuff. Um, and it just culminates to this point where I meet this incredible woman who is my ex now. But we were together for a couple of years, went through some stuff, went to Canada, 2020 hits. You know what 2020 was? COVID. Yeah. yeah. And I, I kid you not, I'm so excited because we were going to move in together. Yeah. So I went and got us this brand new townhouse, like found the perfect spot in Watala, got a new job, got, got a full-time job. And I was like, all right, it's all good to go. You can come back from Canada now. Literally that week they go... The world is shutting down and no one can leave anywhere. Borders are closed. Borders yeah. closed. No one, no yeah. flights. Because she just gone to yeah. gone home to see them for Christmas. So she's Australian though. Canadian. Oh, she's Canadian. Canadian. Yeah. Right. yeah. So, um, and basically she could, she wasn't allowed back in the country. Huh. So I go back into another hole, bro. So I you thought, broke up. No, we just. I didn't know if I could ever see her again. <laughs> I literally went into. And the, the goodbye wouldn't have been a goodbye. I never see you like, again. I'll see you in two I'll months. See you in two months. Yeah, yeah, see yeah. you in two months. Oh, I'll see you soon, baby. It's all good. Fuck. So I'm in this new job. I'm in this place by myself. It's lonely as fuck. And I start having panic, panic attacks. Yep. And like literally to the point I thought I was going to die. Mm. If anyone that's had panic attacks, you know how bad they are. And started getting depression again. So again, I'm back in this cycle. And I'm thinking, how am I back at this? What is? What am I not doing right? Like, what are you trying to tell me? And I start to, you know, figure out there are, there's more to this. Mm. And I remember one day I, I sent, it was like four months in and I'm just losing my mind. I, I had to quit my job and I was living off government benefits because obviously they were looking after everyone yeah. during that year. Yeah. And I had time for the first time in my life to be, for the first time in my life I sat with my shit. Yeah. I cried every day. I wanted to kill myself again. I just sat with it and I stopped trying to run from it. And I remember sending a message to Tams going, I like this guy. I saw this guy on Instagram. His name's Yoda Strength. Jordan Potts, I think his name is. At the time, I know Pottsy now yeah, very well, yeah. obviously. And I go, I really want to meet him. Four days later at the Kiwanis Farmer's Market. No way. I'm standing there with Andy. Andy hit me up to come out. Yeah. I didn't want to because I was yeah. full depressed, fat, just over life. Yeah. And Andy Heaton, shout out to Andy, got me up and out. It was like 7.30 in the morning. And we're all chatting, having a sick time. I'm happy for the first time in months. 
and I hear this, hey guys, how are you? I turn, I'm like, oh my God, I know this guy. And he just started chatting to him and he goes, yeah, how you going, man? I sort of said, like, I'm not doing too well. He's like, oh, come back to my place this afternoon. We'll do some um, ice baths and Wim Hof. Mm. And at the time I'm thinking, what? Yeah, what are you on about? What do you mean? Yeah. <laughs> Go there this, uh, that afternoon. I take my best mate, Christian Palu, who we were trying to, during that time, trying to start a coaching brand called Arcadian Coaching. Yeah. So both of us were struggling, bro. His dad had cancer. Yeah. I'm struggling, never knowing if I'll see my partner again. But we were helping people. We were trying to start this coaching business. And um, we both went there and I had a life-changing moment because he took us through the Wim Hof breath. Mm. Same feeling you had before, right? Mm -hmm. That lightness, these emotions, I start crying. And I realized like, holy shit, what is this? So I go deep down the rabbit hole. During that rabbit hole, we're walking along the beach, KP and I, and Christian turns to me and he goes, Bro, I love the way you try to rewire my mind. You're like a technician. Yes. And that day, I felt that. When he mm. said that, I was like, ooh, that sounds cool. Mm. I'm going to take that. I love that. And um, we started a podcast. We tried to do it together. He didn't want to do it because he didn't like speaking in front of people and stuff, which is cool. Yeah. And I thought, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do this. And I literally just got my logo made up from some dude in Fiverr, yeah. put it on my wall, sat there for seven months before the first episode really <laughs> literally yeah yeah so it sort of got to that point bro and it just everything changed yeah everything was your was did it change your mental health state finding purpose big time finding your identity because it seems like when you're talking about your you kept going in and out of rugby trying trying it again going in your ups and downs and it was almost trying to find like what am I put on earth to do what's my purpose yep and from that when Christian said to you on the beach how did it feel it's almost like just this light shone down through my head Mm. and goes dude this is it Mm. this is the thing we've been trying to show you (laughs) this is the thing we've been trying to point you towards like remember that yeah yeah. and I never forgot it and I can't remember how quickly it turned around but I just went all in and I just didn't stop until that first episode that I was terrified of doing. Mm. Wanted to vomit or sweating. It was super awkward. Yeah, yeah. But as soon as I did it, I was like, oh shit, this is something. Kind of like what I felt when I did this. It was like, this is, I think this is it. Literally, right. Yeah, yeah. You know, so, yeah. and yeah. In, in the beginning, I'm sure you had the same self-doubts of like, yeah. Who would want to listen to me? Who cares? Exactly what I think I told Kristen that. I was like, <laughs> this is the silliest thing ever. Who's going to listen to this shit? Yeah, like who gives a shit about what I have to say? Yeah, exactly. And little did I know, it's not about that. No. We just care so much about helping people mm. that our guests can do that too. 100%. So I got Joshy Sherwell on as my first guest. Yeah, legend. And it was incredible. We yeah. talked for two and a half hours. Yeah, sick. And it was gone, like yeah, sick yeah. first episode. yeah. And from that day, man, I was just like, wow, same thing where I, as soon as I took the headphones off, two and a half hours had gone by and I thought, what? What do you mean? And then it just, I basically made a decision that, okay, this is a thing. Mm. This is a thing. And I was still working casually at Rebel because of the safety factor. I thought I need to have something while I'm doing this. And I remember one day I had this moment where I thought I need to go all in. I heard Tony Robbins say they burn the boats. You know, if you're going to go all in, burn the boat so you can't go home, you need to take that island. I love that. And I remember I did it. I just, (laughs) I've told this story a couple of times. It's pretty full on, but I'll be as vivid as I can. Basically, I was sitting down doing a shit in the morning 
and my manager called well, me. Probably that wasn't <laughs> that wasn't a very <laughs> that detail probably wasn't relevant. <laughs> it's very relevant. It's very relevant. I, love it, I, <laughs> I was taking a big shit in the morning. <laughs> And essentially, my manager called me, bro, and um, she's like, hey, Trav, just checking to see if you're coming in. And I thought, and in that moment, I just made a decision. I said, yeah, but I quit. <laughs> just straight away. It just, and it just, again, hit me like a ton of bricks, literally. And I just, on that, on that decision, just go, yep, I'm done. I'm quitting my next. And then she goes, oh, what do you mean? And uh, yeah, I'm done. But you knew. I just knew, bro. Knew, yeah. I knew. And. Yeah. I had my last, um, I believe I had my last shift like a week later or two weeks later. Yeah. And then I meet Toddy Jarrett yeah. for episode seven. Yeah. And my whole life changed. There's a, there's a video you can find on my Instagram from about two years ago this time. Oh, it was around about August. Yeah. And it's just, I'm just fucking bawling my eyes out in the car. I get home and I sit there and I'm just, and I remember saying, I just had the best day and I'm just bawling my eyes out. Mm. And you can see my whole entire body had just shifted. My face was different. My skin yeah. was different. Yeah. My eyes were different. They were yeah. brighter. Yeah. Dude, I just went all in. I started learning about breath work. Went mm-hmm. to um, Cool To Be Conscious yep. and did my first like holotropic breath. And I was just like screaming like, all this rage. I felt my bottom right in my stomach clear out. Anger, that's where it sits for anyone listening. A lot of the time it can sit in other places. But yep. for me, that's where it was. And from that day, bro, I just felt light. And I remember remembering a lot of regret that I wanted to clear. I messaged my old girlfriend from the past just saying, sorry for how I treated you. So it was like that, all these things clearing, mm. these traumas clearing, these things, these regrets, these reasons for hating myself. And yeah. I remember going to this incredible thing uh, with Dr. Espen. It was a, like quantum advanced weekend, three days. Yeah. My first self-development thing. Went with my mates at the time, Toddy and uh, Mr. Rip, Rip, Rip and Gale. And basically during that time, bro, I wrote down in my diary that he, he puts us in a meditation. He gets us to forgive ourselves. Yeah. Guess where I went back to? 17-year-old Trav. Yeah. And I remember writing this thing. Writing it was easy. I wrote about two pages worth of stuff. But speaking it? We did a podcast straight after the weekend. Oh, called yeah. it Welcome to the Quantum Experience. Yeah, yeah. And... The boys go, you should read that out. And I thought, yeah, easy. (laughs) As soon as I started reading it, I just bawled my eyes out because I had this, it was my unconscious going, finally. A release. Yeah, yeah, like you're forgiving yourself. Like you're, and this is why that before for you was so powerful, right? Mm -hmm. Because speaking it is clearing it. It's acknowledging it, saying, I do forgive you. And I actually said thank you to him because for him to set me on that path of destruction for the 13 years, 14 years, whatever it was, I wouldn't be the man I am today that cares so much and helps people. You know? So that weekend was really pivotal because we, us three then created an event called the ripple effect. And which was very much around based around wanting to help people with the masculine and the feminine polarity. Yeah. And it was incredible, bro. Like that, that weekend was two years ago now, I believe. And I had this moment where we have to do like a primal roar, which I think you've seen. Mm. And a lot of my mates are like, what are you doing? <laughs> which I, I can get that. Like it, it is different. It's mm. definitely different. But for me, that was a realization that I had that healthy masculine in me and I could control it. And that was the first day. And it was at a football field. Yeah. 
I remember saying to yeah, you, yeah, it was like mental. very synchronistic. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, man, again, it's same feelings but different directions again, isn't it? It's and I think crazy. it does that for a reason. Mm. I think you're supposed to have these moments of realization just to let it really sink in. But like for me to realize that then is that I was holding myself back in so many different ways because I now didn't have to be the nice guy. Mm. I can be a good man. Mm. I can be someone that people love and respect, but I don't have to be a pushover. Yeah. That's, that's something I was going to bring up with you is that, is the, is that incident when you're a kid hurting, hurting someone, hurting another kid playing rugby, you've been holding yourself back that whole time up until that moment. Literally. Yeah. Great pickup. Yeah, it's crazy. And it's it's crazy to think that by me holding my back, back myself back, I was doing a disservice to everyone else around me. It it hurts to think that this journey of self-discovery, the more I find myself, the more mates I lose, which sucks, but I don't necessarily lose them. I'll rephrase that. You just go down different paths, different journeys. I still love all them. I know they still love me, mm. but they look at some of my stuff I know and they're just thinking what is this mm-hmm. which is fine yeah, yeah but it's a journey that definitely tests you 100 percent. yeah and it's supposed to like i'm sure you're already feeling that mm. you know it's it's this isn't easy doing this stuff no not at all but if we choose to stay victimized by it nothing ever changes yeah you get way more love when you're a victim right mm-hmm. absolutely people want to support you people want to love you people love misery loves company yeah Yeah. (laughs) people don't want to be around people that are succeeding yeah you know they don't want to support that so it's been really interesting having to do so much work on myself and rely on myself because it is a pretty lonely journey until you meet the other people doing it too i know i'm sure you've connected with a lot of people and it's amazing how many more people are on that journey with you and then you can just vibe and learn off other people and then yeah, it, like I was saying before, it all starts aligning, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. So the technician, you mentioned it there. Who are you and what do you do? It's a great question because it's only just changed recently. So I guess the core of it is I help rewire mind, body and soul of our culture. Because essentially, I feel like we've been programmed by society to believe certain things, which is causing a lot of sadness and sickness and just doesn't need to happen. I guess with what I do also with my coaching is I help men integrate the healthy masculine and feminine to help purpose self-love and just live a life they actually want to live. Because I, we talked about it before, purpose becomes a thing that you don't want other people to experience. And because I experience so much sadness and depression, suicidal ideations, all these things, I don't want anyone to experience that, Mm. especially men, because there's so many men still taking their lives. It's, you know, we, we have so many organizations trying to help but nothing's fucking changing. It's funny you said that because I had a chat with a mate the other day and said there's, it's more spoken about than ever, but the stats aren't changing. Mm-hmm. So everyone knows about it. We're all speaking about it, but the, it's, people are still doing it. Yeah. There's not any action happening. Yeah. You know, and yeah. that's, that's why, especially what we do with the potty is talking about it. Yes, yeah. awesome. But let's give some actionable things for people to do. Breath. Mm. Start learning breath work. It helps so much. It's free. It's simple, but it's not easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Spot on. So it'll bring stuff up. Yeah. So that's the other thing. Like it'll bring stuff up, but then maybe talk to a coach, talk to a psychologist, have someone that can help you with that. Mm. Have some good friends and mentors around you that can support you in that because the breath is awesome, but it can bring up things. 
it can bring up trauma, then you need to be able to integrate that. You need to deal with the shadows that may come up, these yeah. beliefs that are, mm. they can be scary. Yeah. But the best way I'll put it and what I help people with is that, say those shadows, those things, those things that are unconscious and we're unaware of, those almost like the dark side of us we don't want to believe is there. Mm. It's, it's part of all of us. Mm. We are light and dark. We are good and evil. We are positive and negative. The yin and the yang, right? Yeah. It's all balanced, isn't yeah. it? And until the way I visually put it is you're in this party and you're in there with all the cool people and you hear this knock at the door and you hear it. It's like this letter soon. You think, oh no, not those freaks again. Not that shit that I don't want to be part of me. Yeah. But what if you actually go open that door and welcome them in mm. and stop shutting them out and believing they're not part of you? Welcome them in and be like, hey, what's up? Embrace it. Yeah. yeah what's up, brother? Give us a hug. Yeah. yeah. They're much easier to control than, mm. than when you're trying to be well, like, that's not me. Yeah. Block it out, yeah. Right? So that's the integration piece we talk about. We realize that certain parts of us are kinky little fucks. Mm. Certain parts of us love not having money because it means this, this, and this. It means we don't have to be successful because I've got an excuse for it. Yeah. You know, there's so much that we do that we're not aware of. But then once we start to talk about it and realize it, open the door and welcome it in mm. and say, okay, this kinky little evil side of me is actually part of me. And I'm going to stop saying that it's not mm. or acting like it's not. Yeah. So as the technician, as you said before, it's evolved so quickly, bro. So the, the podcast, it was just literally me sitting there asking questions mm. like we do. Mm. And it was really cool. And then it just, I started growing more and more, meeting more people, learning from people, especially Toddy Jarrett. And I just started facilitating events, started learning about men's work, working with women. I was coaching women, doing tech talks. Um, it's like an hour conversation, like coaching session. Yeah, same. It looks sick. And um, then I got into doing NLP. Yeah. And it gave me all these tools, these epic tools, to give my already natural abilities just the the chance to actually help people with like timeline therapy style stuff and um, knowing how to question things, call them out on things, and just different processes. And then I met my mate Dane, who. Dane Muller and I came up with this idea of the heart-led warriors while we're at NLP together. Mm. Became best mates within a day like that. Just clicked. And again, this is when we know you've met someone who's supposed to be on your journey. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that idea of heart-led warriors came up so quick. Yeah. I was going to say, it's often said that to, to help create change in others, you firstly need to create change in yourself. So I want to know what are the, some key things that you've done that has allowed you to help other people? Mm, great question it starts with really looking at the things that have been holding you back. Mm. And as I said, integrating them. So saying, okay, I accept you now. Come in. Feel them, feel the emotions, move through them. So it's really about men, any men listening, sit with your shit. Mm. Stop trying to run away and be busy. We're very good at being busy all the time. But if you actually sat there and just journaled, wrote down some stuff, how are you feeling today? What happened? What came up? Funnily enough, your hand will just start going yeah. and it won't stop. Yeah. You know, so sitting with yourself, doing some breath work, meditation, journaling, listening to podcasts, bettering yourself, learning about self-development, all these little things will start to have you having little breakthroughs. Go towards discomfort as well. Yeah. That's Anything big. that you're scared of, go towards because mm. that's where you'll have some big breakthroughs. Man, that's so good you said that because fear has been something that's uh, ruled my life. Mm. Fear of failure, fear of success. I've had a breakthrough the last couple of years where despite the fear of I went and did something and I've realized, oh, I didn't die. 
nothing happened to me. <laughs> the other side of fear is just you get confident from it. When I was younger, I used to steer away from fear. Anything that scared me, boom, I'm gone. I run away. I get that feeling, oh, I'm scared. See you later. But the more and more you lean into fear, the more you realize there's only good things on the other side of fear. So now, what, what, I, what I use fear for now, fear is an indicator for me to go do something instead of not to do something. So if the podcast scared the shit out of me, starting it, the whole, the whole setup, I was like, oh, this scares me. And then I'll go, wait, it scares me? Yep, let's go do it. So now I only lean into things that scare me. Mm. And I've, I've just switched the narrative on it. Instead of not doing it, now I do it. And it's a different relationship with fear. It's, um, I use it as a tool now instead of a negative thing. It's, mm. And it's perfect, bro. You put that really well. And it's mm. on the other side of fear is everything. Yeah. This analogy I heard, which I use all the time now, I don't know Dan gets sick of it, but I love it. I don't know if it's true or not, but you visually see it. So it's like, do you want to be a cow or a buffalo? Mm. Yeah, so I've heard this one. Yeah, this is, in, in, this, this, in this storm. So yeah. the storm's coming through, the cows run the other way, they try to outrun it. Yeah. But eventually the storm catches up to them, they get stuck in it, and it's just it's on top of them the whole time. They get tired, they're fuck, like mm. they're done. Yeah. The buffalo, on the other hand, they're like, oh, let's go. Yeah. They run directly to it, they run through it to the other side. They face that bit of fear, yeah. that hardship, and they get to the other side where there's green pastures, water running, everything. Mm. So they're through it, they ran towards it. They ran it for a little bit. It wasn't easy, mm. but they made it through. Mm. So I was like, are you going to be a cow or a buffalo? And yeah. I know that by being a buffalo with everything I do, mm. public speaking's the biggest fear in the world. Oh, yeah, you know, yeah. d- death is second. So <laughs> just recently I did my first speaking gig on yeah, stage. Yeah. It was only a small crowd, but yeah. it was still something I still had a little bit of fear around. Yeah. But bro, as soon as I stood on the stage, I was like, yeah. holy shit, I'm meant to do this. Yeah. I'm meant to be up on stage yeah. and this is my next evolution. Yeah. So the next things are going to schools and talking to kids, right? Yeah. And just sharing my story. So it's those steps. It's not looking at the destination. It's just starting. It's just the journey, one foot in front of the other. And find mentors, man. I can't <laughs> say it enough. I'm not saying it because I'm a mentor or a coach. It's what helped me. Yeah. So I'm going to talk about my story where the, you, need, you need people to hold you accountable. 100%. You're not going to hold yourself accountable. Mm-hmm. We, our unconscious mind is so fucking tricky, it will self-sabotage us if we're not aware of it. You know, you could be heading north as the ant that's heading on the back of an elephant that's heading south. That's your conscious and your unconscious trying to fight each other. So the conscious is your little ant. Yeah. It's like 4% of that. what you do. Yeah. So yeah. you could want to go and be yeah. successful in this business, yeah. but, you're but your unconscious yeah. goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's mm. not what we do. Mm. Let's go do this and self-sabotage. Yeah. Let's fuck this up. Yeah. You know, so... That's why having people that can keep you accountable and call you out in your shit, yeah. they can say, hey, I'm, I'm noticing you've got this blind spot you're probably not aware of and you need to be open to that feedback. Yeah, you need to be open to it. I wasn't in a good headspace around when I was playing rugby and something that put me in a worse headspace is when I finished playing rugby and I felt like I didn't achieve as much as I should have. I felt like I didn't reach the potential that I should have got to and... I didn't define what success was for me until we had a 10-year school reunion at Manning Creek and there was a Facebook page that got made, like a group. Same. And everyone was sending in photos and stuff. And there was a photo of the yearbook, people, people in the yearbook. And I couldn't make it because I was in a town near Boston in America playing rugby. So I missed the 10-year... I was filthy about it. And then still have this on my mind like, fuck, I should have done more with my rugby like... I felt like a lot, I let people down that put time and effort into me for trainings and whatever. 
that I needed to do that, needed to make it for them too. I was looking at the the Facebook page and in the one of the photos it had my name, a uh, picture of me, my name, and it's got like, you could do like a favourite movie quote or where you'd be in 10 years. Mine said, Elliot Hagen playing professional rugby. And for a brief moment in my life, I was playing professional rugby. And in my head, I was always like, oh, I got to play professional, now I want to play for Queensland. And I could just picture myself going, oh, if I made it to play for Queensland, I wanted to play for Australia. And it was always wanting more and more and more. And I never defined what success was. So for me, I was always chasing it. I was always chasing something. And in that moment, I was in America and I looked at it and go, I did it. Like, 17-year-old Elliot defined success. It wasn't to play for Queensland. It wasn't to play for Australia. It wasn't to play 100 games. All he said was at 17 years old was play professional rugby. And for a brief moment in my life, I did that. Mm. And I had the weight of my world lift off my shoulders. I didn't feel like I let people down. I didn't feel like I wasted my potential. I did exactly what 17-year-old Elliot wanted to do. So my question to you is, how have you defined your own success personally and in your business? Thank you for sharing that. That's epic. Mm. Like, well done mm. to you. And great question for me. I remember two years ago, I was doing a self-development course that it was a Bob Proctor one. I don't know if you've heard of Bob no. Proctor, but he references Think and Grow Rich, one of the best books you'll ever read, Napoleon Hill. Mm-hmm. And I wrote in the journal or in the workbook that we get given of what is it you want to do? What is, yeah, what's your success? Like, what is, what's your big thing? And all I wrote, bro, was I want to do whatever I want, whenever I want, with whoever I want. See, two years later, I'm doing that. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, there's, um, it's two years. Like, if you, if you go to my Instagram, there's a video I made of my two year journey. To see the difference is crazy. Like, what I've experienced, what I've done, what I've achieved in two years is nuts. Like, mm. and just to think that that's possible for anyone. You know, I'm nothing special. Like, I love myself and I'm special here. <laughs> but at the same time, I'm not. Like, I'm a, I'm a human like everyone else. I'm human like you. Yeah. So, I just want everyone to know that, it, as cliche again as it sounds, like KG said this after the Celtics won their championship, <laughs> yeah. anything is possible. Yeah. It is. It's true, yeah. Like I, de- like, I personally define success really, and this is what um, I heard from Isaac John that runs YKTR. Yeah, shout out, Ice. Define your success by how do you wake up in the morning? Are you smiling or are yeah, you... I heard that. He's got the five-second rule. Yeah, the five-second rule. So if you get out of bed, you've got the first five seconds. If you're not pumped to get out of bed, you're doing the wrong thing. Yep. And I love that. I used to link my self-worth, my self-esteem, self-confidence with outcomes, with achievements. Mm. So if I... Rugby is a good example because that that was a big part of my 20s was if I don't win or play good, I'm nothing. (laughs) So I lived and died by my last performance. So I need to win. I needed to play good. Otherwise, I'm down here. Knowing what I know now and I link my self-worth and self-confidence to my intentions. So it doesn't matter about the outcome. Am I doing the right have I got the right intentions? I can look back at it and go, rugby, all right, am I doing all the training I can do? Am I doing all the fitness I can do? Am I doing all the skills that I can do throughout that week, throughout the day? I might not get the outcome, but I can look back and go, no, I'm proud of what I did during that week. I can alter a few things, but I know that I put the work in. And how does that resonate with you? 
big. Like it's the intention, intentions, intentions, everything. Yeah, intentions, everything, bro. Like for me, if I know I've got two clients that day, my intention is this is going to be the best session for these boys. Mm. They are. I'm going to change their lives with this one session. Yeah, because it is day by day. We talk about that step by step. I look at every moment as so precious because I don't live in the future or the past anymore. It's just being as present as possible. So the intention, what do I choosing for today? I say that to a lot of people is like, what do you choose for today? Because everything's a choice. Mm. Everything's a choice. Today I chose to come to this podcast and I was going to give everything I could for you mm. and for your listeners because I wanted that. Like that's, yeah. But again, I wasn't worried about the outcome of it. It's just that I know that if my intention was pure yeah. and I do my best, yeah. whatever happens, cool. Yeah. I also know everything I do is good. So. <laughs> <laughs> but I think the more, you, the more you focus on the intentions, the outcome will follow. Yep, 100%. I think if you more focus on the outcome, you're not, probably not going to get it. I no. think if you focus on the intentions, the work that needs to be doing, if you focus on that, the outcome will take care of itself. 100% and have the goals. Have the goals and yeah. you know, set out your... I do 10-year, 5-year, 3-year, 12-month, 6-month goals with my clients and stuff. And yeah. it's good to have because you need direction. Like future pacing is great. Yeah. But if you're sitting, if you're constantly worrying about getting to that point, then you're just stressing yourself out. You're causing anxiety in the body. There's no need for it. Mm. So let's just, as you said, let's focus on the intention for today. Let's focus on, so it's like the task is this. Sorry, the objective is this. What's the task to get there? Yeah. So yeah, I really like how you yeah. put that. That's cool. How do you increase your self-worth? So it's about doing the things you say you're going to do. I believe with if you put down on paper, okay, I'm going to achieve this, this, and this, and you do that, you're starting to build that self-worth aspect. Um, it's clearing some of the old beliefs as well. So diving into journaling, clearing out the unconscious belief of I'm not worthy. Write that down. Why, why do you believe that? What is the story behind that? Start to go deeper into why that belief's there and then clear that shit. Love it. What's the number one skill you feel human beings should learn to master? Sales. Sales. Everything's sales. And I mean meeting people, Mm. that's sales. Selling yourself, that's sales. But just getting to know people, being good with people, so networking and stuff like that. People skills, yeah, 100%. Do you love who you are? 100%. Mm. Without a doubt in my mind. Yeah. Love that. So my intentions for this year, my intentions for this year was holding my word accountable kind of like a new year's resolution Mm -hmm. but my intentions for this year was holding my word accountable so i do whatever i say i'm going to do a podcast i'm going to say i'm going to do a podcast i'm going to do it do you have any intentions you set yourself intentions for the year you do 100 percent. and i love what you just said there because especially for the men listening the most masculine thing you can do is do what you said you're going to do if you're constantly not doing the shit you said you're going to do, especially around your partner, they're going to start naturally resenting you. Yep. They're going to be like, hey, you said you take the rubbish out. It's not about the rubbish. It's about the fact that you said you were going to do something, like start a podcast, mm. and you never did it. Because mm. men on mission, their women will see the weakness when they're not doing it. Mm. So, yeah, bro, every time I say I'm going to do something, I focus on, shit, I told Christelle, my missus, that I'm going to do that. I better fucking do it. Yeah. But yeah. otherwise, the integrity starts to go away, yeah. and then that yeah. self-worth starts to go away too. Yeah. What's a priority to you now that, let's say, wasn't a priority to you in your early 20s, late teens, early 20s? Mindfulness. Mindfulness, yeah. Definitely. Working those daily things, the gratitudes, the meditation, the breath work, going to the gym. You know, I I don't care about being shredded or anything, but I want to be strong, powerful, fit, healthy, those things. So general mindfulness and health for sure. 
What's your vision for the technician? What does your future look like? World domination. Mm. Like, in, in a less egotistic way, I, I want to change the world, bro. Like, yeah. I, I know I'm here for a big purpose. Yeah. And the fact that that thing happened on TikTok the other day with the Heart-Led Warriors thing, mm. that's just the beginning. Yeah. Like, that's huge. It's massive. We, were, we already know and we feel that that's the beginning of something massive for us to be traveling around the world and doing men's work retreats around the world. Mm. So that's cool. If you had to go back do it all again and you still get to end up at this spot right now would you no it's worked out just how it's supposed to everything's perfect and this is one thing i heard in a podcast where what if everything is perfect Mm. what if what you're going through right now is perfect if you sit in that state of perfection which i know we we think about perfection as like oh there's no such thing as that well there can be Mm. if you choose it to be and then things become less stressful because you're like well, maybe this is happening for me. Mm. Maybe it is. Maybe you get to change and become a better person because of this hardship. Do you think that the 15-year-old Travis would be proud of the man that you are today? Yeah, bro, big time. There's, I thought about that just the other day, so appreciate you asking that question. And I look at what I've achieved and what I'm achieving. Mm. I still want to stay really humble without you know, going too overboard, but you've you got to celebrate yourself, man. Yep. And I'm very, very, very happy with what I've done. And what I'm going to do. Yeah, nice. So I'm not too sure if you're familiar, but we have a closing tradition of the podcast. So I get some loved ones. They send in a question for you. Epic. I love that. So we've got uh, Luke (laughs) O'Neill. Stop, Lukey. So Lukey wants to know, who or what do you identify as now? Was a footballer? What's your identity now? It's a deep question. I don't know if we've got... How long He's we've such got? a deep thinker. I love yeah. the way he questions things. I'm a human helper. That's what came up then. Yep. I help humans. I help them come back home. I help them realize. I help them just be happy, bro. Like, And I know happiness is fleeting, so <clears throat> joy and fulfillment is two of the most important things. But for me, everything is love. So my human helpingness is bringing you back to love because that's all that matters. It's the only emotion that matters. Yep. It's actually the only real emotion besides fear. Yeah. Everything else is learned. So if you can come back to love, love for self, love for everyone around you. Lukey um, actually keyed something the other day, which was great. He doesn't believe there's good and evil. There's just, are you in love or out of love? Yeah. Are you yeah, towards love that. or, yeah. I love that. It was epic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The next one is Tyson Andrews sent something in. Oh, big Tyson. This is going to hurt me. Nah. No, in a well, good way. A good I, haven't, way. I haven't spoken to him in a little bit. He, his question was, do you want kids? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, why? I've changed now. I realized that um, by integrating, there's a part of me, a little boy part of me, that was scared of commitment and scared of responsibility. And um, Tice is um, the best dad I've ever seen, bro. Like, his daughter's my goddaughter. And I've watched him grow and the shit he's gone through to still just show up and just provide for his family non-stop even with the shit he's had to go through like near-death experiences and stuff and you know opportunities he wasn't given he just had to work his ass off to get where he did in the NRL and stuff like that and that's my best mate who I've seen grow up since we were 14 and I'm so proud of him and I in the past have compared myself to him because he sets the sets the bar so high for what a fucking integral, respectful, loyal man is. And 
to be honest, bro, in his presence, I feel uh, like weak. <laughs> That's how powerful I see him as. Mm. In the past, I did. Not anymore. Because mm. I used to pedestal him. Mm. Which, you know, I still will say he's a fucking man and I love him. But to think that that then, that, that emotion that came up, I just want to be like him as a father. Because there's no one touches him in that space. Like he's he's got three kids, works his ass off, still trained, still fit, um, spends time with his missus. They're still madly in love. You know, they're 33, 34. Shiv, shout out to Shivy, one of my best mates too. And mm. just an incredible human, man. So, yeah. Same with Lukey, bro. Same yeah. with Lukey. Yeah. He's like, I've got such incredible male role models as mates who are incredible fathers. Mm and people in general and just grateful yeah. for them and that epitomized that masculine polarity that you're that you're talking about healthy masculine yeah. big time Very, bro. Yeah. yeah so yeah um yeah shit yeah. i knew that would get me yeah. we've got one more <laughs> yeah cool and, and i haven't met christelle before but i can already tell she's got a fucking funny funny sense of humor <laughs> here we go she's got two for you i'll give you a serious one first okay and we can end it on a bit of a funny one if you could go back to your 15-year-old self and give one piece of advice, what would it be? Keep going. Keep going. Keep going, man. Like, I gave up so many times. Mm. So many opportunities in front of me. So many friendships I let fall apart or partnerships or whatever. And if I had to just keep going and just breathe through the anxiety or whatever might have come up, things would have been so much easier for him. Yeah. If he was an animal, where are the food chain would he be? <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, oh, definitely grizzly bear. Yeah, that's my nickname. These aren't the questions. You know how girlfriends ask you those silly questions before you go to bed. <laughs> you're like, "Night, babe." You're like, "Would oh, yeah. you go to space if you could?" <laughs> Bro, we have the funniest conversations, eh? It's, it's, and she's always sending me like TikToks and stuff. And yeah, yeah. She's a funny, yeah. beautiful, incredible yeah. woman, and yeah, um, just there's something I saw the other day on this podcast, and I'm so grateful for her. Because she has created such a beautiful, safe space for me to heal my inner child and become the man I've always wanted to be. Mm. Because she held me accountable. She held me to a higher standard. She supports me in everything I do, but she calls me on my shit. She loves me unconditionally. She gasses me up. She'll be the first person to like my posts. She'll be the first person to listen to my podcast and be like, babe, great episode. Mm. You know, she's just... An incredible woman, and as much pain as I've been through in partnerships in the past, I know I needed to go through that to find the one. You know, so Jay Shetty says it where he doesn't believe there's a soulmate, but heaps of mates that help you find your soul. I found my soul, but I found it within her too. So I'm so grateful for Christelle and her awesome question. (laughs) But just, um, yeah, just wanted to say, like, without her, bro, over the last year or so, would not be the man I am today. Yeah, beautiful. Mm. Travis, thank you so much for coming on. I've learned a lot. I hope all the listeners have too, and uh, I really appreciate it. And I can't wait f- for what we're going to do in the future together, I think. Oh, dude, we'll be doing yeah. some stuff for sure. Yeah. You're, you're very naturally good at this. Yeah. You're a good dude. I hear, I hear nothing but good things about you from anyone that's like, oh my God, Ellie's doing a podcast now. Mm-hmm. That guy's the, you know, the man, so just keep going man like I just said to the 15 year old self before just keep going because no matter what you're going to have some people try to pull you down the crabs in the bucket kind of vibe don't do the whole like oh fuck the haters yeah. they're just people just doing different things yeah. so um thank you bro I really enjoyed this yeah. 
and I hope I gave some value to yourself and the guys listening. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you.